we should have known. We should have known. I'm hot. I'm ready. <clears throat> yeah. This episode of Taking It to the House was brought to you by EBH Fitness Studios. It's a way of life. I'm Dr. C. Victor Urban III, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Jania Hoover, and what I'm taking to the house is, you know me, something I saw on social media, and it was from the GOAT, Serena Williams. And she took viewers into her trophy room. And y'all, this room is a whole room just for her trophies. And sis couldn't even remember where some of them came from. My favorite part was when she saw one and said, ooh, this is a second place trophy. I don't know why that's here. We don't keep second place. So Serena, Black History Month, the GOAT, one of the greatest athletes in any sport of all time. Yes, you can flex, sis. You absolutely can. By the time this airs, the Super Bowl, the grand finale of the NFL season will be just about 24, 48 hours away. My takeaway from the NFL, well, you got this season done and congratulations. There were a few glitches, a few hiccups along the way, but you got it done. You told us something. You told us that COVID is not going anywhere. You got to learn to live with it. You got to learn to play with it. So you're asking for compliance from all of your players. I think that's a societal issue as well. We're going to have to learn to live with it. United States of America, are we going to learn to live with it? But I have a problem though, is are we learning to live with it, but are we fully prepared to live with COVID or the effects of COVID? So NFL, I say thank you for it. As a fan, you gave us a good season, but there's still ramifications about the NFL. And now I just don't know how the long-term effects of COVID. You got Lamar Jackson, you got uh, Cam Newton and other problems, other uh, NFL players who have come down with COVID. What are we living with? So salutations for a completed season. And then we got this model. NBA, Major League Baseball, soccer, you have this model in place. COVID is going to be here. You got to learn uh, code compliance players. You got to learn that you're going to be traveling from airport to airport. And you're still going to have to minimize and social distance and and, and keep your social, uh, keep your bubbles tight. So congratulations again, NFL, Major League Baseball. What are you going to do? Soccer, what are you going to do? And then we got uh, NBA. Season's not even halfway done yet. I, I kudos along with you, NFL. Thanks for the Super Bowl. Despite COVID, yes, I still look at ways that we could have done it better. At least the NFL could have done it better. But we are here. We, we, we sludged through the season and, and, and it's here. Along with Uncle Tim, long-term impacts are still yet to be known. And I trust that all the players that made it through the season, there's no long-term impacts that'll that'll have uh, lingering effects on their career moving forward. We've heard about cardiomyopathy and some other types of medical conditions that can arise as a result of COVID, but not going to rain on that parade. Ready to see a Super Bowl. I'm excited. However, there is a leadership failure that the NFL has exposed and it grew even more over the last three weeks. We do have three black assistant coaches 
participating in the critical parts of this game on Sunday. And guess what? They will not have a head coaching position next season. We're talking about Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champs, Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Then you have Byron Leftwich, the quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, Tom Brady's right-hand man. And then you have Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, who had Aaron Rodgers seeing ghosts two weeks ago. Yet none of them have been offered an opportunity for those seven head coaching positions that were open last year. And yet all three of them are participating in the pinnacle of the NFL season. And one of those coaches done it two years in a row. We have an issue, NFL. So I expect some great leadership decisions this offseason. If not, I'll be the first to call on the players. Could be a Deshaun Watson. Who's going to be the Colin Kaepernick? Who are going to be those players that lead change if the NFL owners and the NFL leadership cannot look at the severity of this issue? Enough is enough. Absolutely. And speaking of that game, the big game, uh, this Sunday, tomorrow, uh, or whenever you're watching it, maybe you've already seen it, but We've got multiple storylines as we look at the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So what are y'all most excited about? What are you most looking forward to? I'm real excited about the uh, the Super Bowl this coming Sunday. You got the Tampa Bay Bucks, and then you got the Kansas City Chiefs. You got mismatches galore. And then at the same time, you got these teams, these players been waiting, some of them all their lives, all season for this particular game. So I know that they're ready to go. But to me, it's about mismatches. Travis Kelsey being one. Do you guard him with two? Do you cup one of the up? Uh, do you bracket him? One on the top, on the one on the bottom, or do you double up uh, a Tyreek Hill? The guy's a cheetah. He's a spec. And and I hear today that you can actually double both of them. So somebody's going to be open. Somebody's going to be open. And Tampa Bay. They got weapons as well. You got Brake, you got Grunk, you got the GOAT, you got Tom Brady. Then you got Mike Evans over the top. He was a beast. He was over six foot tall and, and strong with speed. So they played earlier this year. And uh, Tyreek Hill, I think he had over 200-something yards. And maybe in the first half. And they were just so dominant. They can beat you in so many ways. And so if you go back to bracketing either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, the running game could be efficient enough that they can be beat with the running game. So the bad thing is you got a couple of linemen for the, for the temp, excuse me, for the Kansas city chiefs who are not going to be playing. So I'm sure that the bucks are just chomping at the bit right now to get to Patrick Mahomes. And so Vic, I wanted to know what you thought. We can talk about this ad nauseum. There's a, there's a lot to, to bite on to chew on here. What do you, what do you say, sir? I'm excited. Uh, it's not who I picked. If you all review the tape, I called the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Green Bay uh, Packers. However, I don't think I could ask for a better matchup. I mean, what better is it? The storyline, Jania, you asked about the storyline. Tom Brady leaves New England, where the question has always been for 20 years, was it Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick? Well, he shows us as a leader. Bruce Arians shows as a leader, I need one person that can help me take this 7-9 team to the championship. 
And Bruce Arians put that leap of faith in Tom Brady, not only to get Tom Brady, but also Tom Brady and his and, and his crew. Tom Brady said, I also want to bring Gronk with me and Antonio Brown. And Bruce Arians already, had already said, I don't want Antonio Browns, but yet he trusted. A leader trusted his on-the-field leader. And look what happened. They made it. So a storyline for me is old man Brady saying, look, I am the GOAT. Am I going to pass the torch off to this new GOAT? Or do I let the new GOAT smell the torch and then yank it out of his hands? I was not a Tom Brady fan because I'm not a New England Patriots fan. Now I am a Tom Brady fan just to watch this story happen. And I like Bruce Arians. He got robbed years ago when he's with Arizona. So to see that part of the story, I'm excited. But I love me, Mr. Kool-Aid man. Andy Reid, that's my dog. So him and Patrick Mahomes, and of course, they're representing the AFC and the young quarterback, let the young breed show that it's their league now. So to watch the storylines, and um, you already talked about the mismatches, but both teams have offensive weapons galore. But it may came, come down to the defense. Todd Bowles, again, we talked about two critical positions that are that are being occupied by black coaches. We got Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, versus Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. They got to go at it. Again, will this be enough for the NFL owners across the league to say, wow, <laughs> these guys are remarkable? So I'm looking at the game behind the game, and that is a story I like to watch, how Todd Bowles versus Eric Bieniemy how Byron Leftwich versus uh, the coordinator for Kansas City Chiefs. So that's at least one aspect of a story I'm excited to watch. But if you had to ask me my prediction, Kansas City Chiefs takes this one. I can't even give a score because it could, I could see it go high scoring or I could see it being low scoring. But I'm, I'm excited. Many, many, many stories to look at. Well, you talk about Bruce Arians and, and Andy Reid, and so – One's a gunslinger. The other one is just a mastermind as far as an offensive mind, being Andy Reid and the gunslinger being uh, Bruce Arians. And so equally, uh, can they deliver? Can Tom Brady deliver? Well, he's proven he can throw the deep ball. He's proven he can throw the ball in anywhere. And so he has Gronk. He has great as, as sufficient tight ends. You talk about Antonio Brown, who's, who can play the slot very well and very effectively. So they have the weapons. Uh, and, and I think the Tampa Bay defense is a little bit better than Kansas City's defense. And then when I talk about these uh these linemen for the for the go for the <laughs> for the Chiefs who are out, and when I talk about them being out, I think that gives the um, the Bucks defense even a greater advantage. And so Patrick Mahomes, he's gonna have to utilize his feet. We had turf toe a couple of weeks ago. We also had a concussion just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure he's recovered from the concussion but what about the turf toe it's not something that recovers or uh, rehabilitates immediately it's usually four to six weeks for a turf toe and so the rehab folks this training staff they're going to have to put him in place because i believe he's going to be on the run more than not and then we talked about uh last week's episode tom brady was throwing picks left and right he was throwing them to green bay as though he was throwing them to his own receiver so which Tom Brady are we going to get? Because he, he, I don't think he's going to be able to do that and get away with it in this particular game. He's going to have to be even more efficient. What did he do this week? Well, the last 12 days, I understand he's been in isolation. He told his family to leave. 
So for the last 12 days, he has been in his home, his mansion down there, all by himself to do what? Focus, singularly focus on this particular game. I got to love the grind. I got to love at 40 plus years old that he's still in it to win it like he is. And so the dedication is there. But I'm like you. If I had to choose one of the two, I'm going to choose Kansas City because of the uh, efficiency of Andy Reid, the efficiency of their team. They can be explosive. They can get the chunk yards if, if they need to be. They can turn a 10-yard play into a 70-yard touchdown, or they can just march it down the field, which has been proven because the guy within two minutes, I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes, is so much of an orchestrator that he can just dink dunk to whoever he needs to to, to, to make their team uh, move down the field. So I still believe Kansas City uh, is, is far superior. But I agree with you, Vic. I don't know if it's going to be high scoring or if it's going to be low scoring. I expect a very good game. I want, as a fan, I want a very good game. So many storylines like we're, we're, we're talking about. I wanted to know, Jania, if you had any thoughts as well on the Super Bowl. I know you don't like the GOAT. I know you don't like Tampa Bay. What do you say, though, about this particular Super Bowl? I don't. I don't like them um, as a Falcons fan. So for those that don't know, the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Yucks, as I call them, are in the same division. But I'm also a fan of the game. So you will never hear me disrespect Tom Brady's talent. Uh, he absolutely is one of the best to ever do it. Um, he's demonstrated that multiple times, one time painfully against my team. But no, just like y'all, I'm excited for a good game. I picked against the, the Chiefs last week. I'm not going to do that again. Part of that reason is because I never go for, uh, for uh, Brady. I never go for the Bucks. I am excited about the three black coaches getting, uh, you know, getting some shine, getting some recognition. Victor, like you mentioned, it, it's shameful to me that they didn't get more looks for head coaching positions. You would think that making it to this level would make them even more attractive to others. But I'm here for that storyline. I want them to, to do well. I think that I do trust Tampa Bay's defense a little bit more than the Chiefs. But honestly, I just, the, the, the Chiefs defense took a step back to me this year. And I've said that I watched them play several times. They played against my team. So I just haven't trusted them. But Unc, you said it a couple weeks ago, they have so many weapons on offense. I do think that's going to be the edge. I don't think it'll necessarily be pretty. I don't think that Brady will throw as many picks as he did uh, against the uh, Packers, but I also don't think that the Chiefs will force him to throw as many picks. Of course, I could be completely 100% wrong about all of this, but I am going with Kansas City. I think that they have too much offensively, and I don't think that the Bucks defense will be able to stop everyone all the time. And while Brady is Brady, I think that the Chiefs offensive weapons around Mahomes are better as a group than the weapons that are surrounding um, Tom Brady in, in Tampa Bay. So 
Another thing to point out on Tom Brady, he is the Dragon Slayer. Look what he did to Russell Wilson when they tried to get their back-to-back. He took this heart, and Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have not been back since. So there is something to what Tom Brady says. This is still my league, punk. He goes Debo on somebody. Give me that ship. Give me that championship. And snatching chains like Debo did on Friday. So Patrick Mahomes still got to understand, you're going against somebody who's got, what, six rings? So you're trying to get your second one. You say, hey, punk, it's not on my watch. So what happens if Brady does snatch this necklace off of him? Will, will, Matt, will Patrick Mahomes be back? So, again, there is precedence has been set that Tom Brady can stop someone's dynasty in progress. And as Unc said, he's been in a lab for 12 days. And nothing, nothing ever comes good when a grown man stays away for 12 days in a lab getting mad. You're talking about he's married. I'll say it again. This is the PT-13 show. He's been away in the lab for 12 days. I'm pretty sure he's a little angry. So Patrick Mahomes just got married this offseason. I don't think he's been in the lab for 12 days like that. I'll just leave it there. Let the adults who are watching this show, let their minds wander a little bit. A 40-plus-year-old man away from his wife and his kids for 12 days, and he's at home? Yeah, bet. He's going to come out with some ferocity <laughs> unknown to man. <laughs> so, that's another story I'm interested in watching unfold. <laughs> I want to talk about the uh, what you guys, one of the backstories about Eric Bieniemy, Todd Bowles, yes, and uh, Byron Leftwich, yes. But Eric Bieniemy, if he wins again and being on this on this stage two times in a row, he can really just kind of pick and choose. He doesn't have to go necessarily for the first offer that's out there or even the second offer because I'm sure he wants to go somewhere that is similar to what the Chiefs are having, which is good ownership, a good coach, which will be him, and a good general manager, and maybe a little bit of talent around him. Why would he go somewhere and rebuild? Talking about the Jets. Why would he want to go to the Jets? Why would he want to go to Carolina? Why would he want to go to uh, – about the Houston or the Lions. Why would he want to go to any of these? And that's probably what's going to happen. But I believe unless you have a better position than what you're in, don't, don't do it, Eric. Just stay, stay right where you're at. So we're looking at it from, yeah, we want a black hire. We want you hired. We want you be, to be interviewed. We, we, I get that. But we also want you to be in a place where you have a better opportunity for success. And so that's my take on Eric Bieniemy. That's true. And he can definitely be picky. Um, Victor, one thing I'll say about your, your commentary, you're absolutely right as far as what uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots did to the Seahawks. One thing that's different is he's older. And another thing that our uncle always says is that father time is undefeated. So um, it will be, I just, I'm expecting it to be a good game. And, you know, he might be there mentally, but we have seen, you know, instances where it's like, okay, he's definitely, definitely not at his peak performance. So is this going to be a situation where that mental edge and the fact that he's been there so many times, I believe this is his 10th one, is that going to be enough? Or 
is the fact that he is older, that he is 43 and he can't do the types of things that he could do before. Is that going to be what allows the Chiefs to, to, to take that edge? And it'll be interesting to see. We'll have a lot to talk about. But um, I do want to get a couple of your takes because the NBA is giving us a lot of um, a lot of stories, a lot of action, whether we, you know, I mean, who are we excited about? What, what, where are we? Unk, I'm going to the resident NBA expert first. Uh, I'm surprised that the Sixers are leading the East. I'm surprised that the Jazz are leading in the West. Uh, but the Lakers are still strong. I'm a Laker fan. Most of you guys know that already. But there's those two in particular surprise me right now. If uh, the season were to end, that they would be at the top of the leaderboard. Um, the Nets. I want to readdress the Nets because. They are must-see TV. Prolific scorers, but horrific defenders. And their, their past few games, they're winning, but you they have to really just outscore. And we're talking about 140 points, 130 points, 120-some points every night. And so whoever is playing them has to equally meet that uh, offensive uh, uh, firepower. Otherwise, they're going to lose. So um, I was really impressed. They had a game against, I think it was Cleveland uh, a, a week ago or this past week, and Kyrie Irving, I saw him actually get down in the stats and play some defense. I saw James Harden actually play some defense. Now, the question is, can they sustain this over a couple of games or a couple of stretches? Can they just sustain that? And what toll would it take? I like that the Nets have put the ball in James Harden's hands and let him be the facilitator. But Jesus, can they score? Give me a bucket. Any one of them can get a bucket at any, any point in time, and they can get you in foul trouble as well. Nobody can match up against KD. Kyrie Irving got the best handles in the game. I didn't believe it until I really paid attention to him. He can get to the basket at any point, or he can shoot the three, and he's got mid-range. And then you got James Harden. Triple W any night, any night and every night. Yet he's just controlling the ball. And, and, and I mentioned earlier, who was going to sacrifice their game the most? I see all three of them sacrificing, trying to mold and meld themselves into one team. But James Harden has sacrificed the most because he's not the volume shooter that he was in Houston. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited. But um, I'm still bothered uh, somewhat because we got postponements. There's no rescheduling. We're dealing with COVID. We're dealing with protocols. We're dealing with uh, life in general. And it's just happening so fast and we're still on the 72 game schedule and the second half of the season has not even been scheduled yet. The all-star game just been voted in, which wasn't initially going to be an all-star game. So it's a lot to me going on in the NBA and it's happening so quick. And I'm, I'm still thinking that a lot of the players to include the Lakers and Miami heat who had long runs in the bubble still haven't recovered after 71 days of an off season. So Vic, I wanted to know what your takeaways from this part of the season. I know we're Super Bowl heavy, but what are your takeaways from this early part of the season of the NBA? So what, about 70 days into the league now? Uh, still interesting, the COVID impact. However, the, the teams that are great are great. The teams that aren't, aren't. So it's interesting how some of the, most of the teams that have been impacted by COVID are the teams that are like at the bottom of, of the standings. But to your point, the 76ers are very scary. When they played against the Lakers last week, uh, came down to a really great game. But we cannot forget, it's Doc Rivers. He's back in the East. He knows the East. Mm. And I'd be really interested in watching Doc Rivers 
when and versus the Nets in the playoffs. We know regular season basketball is totally different than postseason basketball. And Doc Rivers' teams play defense, and Joel Embiid is playing a whole nother type of game now. So it will be interesting how Mike D'Antoni's Brooklyn Nets or Steve Nash's Brooklyn Nets using that D'Antoni system. Again, we always know he's always been able to score. Phoenix Suns, Houston Rockets, New York Knicks, it's that defense. And that's why his teams have never made it to the championship because we know come the playoff time, it's a different NBA game. And I'm looking at how the 76ers are playing ball. I look how the Celtics are playing ball. The East is still a monster. So it will be great TV uh, come the playoffs. But for regular season, definitely the the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets are interesting TV, musty TV. Uh, over the last three weeks, I've not missed a game, particularly when the Nets are playing someone solid. Uh, so I, I'm interested in watching how they continue to gel. Uh, what happens when they have that losing streak? When will uh, Kyrie Irving do his Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type thing? I am on. I am watching for that. But to your point, it's, it does seem like James Harden has taken a backseat, which rightfully so. The other two gentlemen have already got championship rings. So if you want to learn to win, then you have to take that step back and watch these two men go about their business and put that championship ball. That's what you came there for. So that's interesting. And in the West, the Clippers looking great. Jazz looking great. And again, the Lakers, I look at them as they know they're going to make it to the playoffs. It's been it's already a long season for them. With that 70 days off, it's the long season. So they're playing for the playoffs, rightfully so. So I'm not overly worried. Um, so it is great basketball that I'm seeing so far, but I'm still interested in how the league is going to lead on the back end of all-star break, which is a whole nother subject with COVID. And uh so, so far, it's it's entertaining basketball. It's been entertaining. Definitely. Um, I, I, I do have to comment about uh, Utah, just a small little thing. We all said when we were watching them last year that they were the real deal. Watching uh, Donovan Mitchell, watching them play. So I'm not surprised that they're leading the West right now. Honestly, I saw what they did in the playoffs last year. So to see them at the top right now, they're frustrated for how things ended for them. But Victor, you just said it. Regular season ball is completely different from playoff ball. So is this um, intensity and this fire that they're playing with that has them at the top right now? That doesn't matter. This is this is seeding. This is the first half of the season. I want to see what they what they can and will do at that next level. So, you know, they're doing fine. They're playing well right now. But what will impress me is what y'all do at the end. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And this is our finish. So thank you so very much for watching. Feel free to engage with us on social media. You can see our handles. We look forward to hearing from you. I just want you all to Super Bowl safe. Hospitalizations because of COVID is down 10% nationwide. Super Bowl safe. Please, please, please. That's my final take. We'll see you next week. My final take is to my son, my namesake, C. Victor Herbin IV. He is a senior at Colgan High School. And today, as we were filming this show, he just informed me that he made it to regionals. Now he had a district uh, track meet today. He qualified number one in high jump. 
tomorrow is going to be the racing events, the four by one, four by two. But he made it to regionals uh, in the high jump. He finished first place. So as a father, extremely happy. As a father in COVID with a, a, a student athlete, I feel bummed out because I'm robbed yet from another opportunity to watch him as he finishes his high school career in sports. So kudos to my son. I love you. Uh, great job. Look forward to seeing uh, what these more, uh, what what more to come, particularly as you're, as you're receiving these college applications and, and acceptance letters. But again, sorry, daddy couldn't be there, not because he didn't want to be there. It's because we're dealing with a pandemic. But congratulations to you and the rest of his teammates that were able to qualify today for districts, uh, excuse me, for regionals. And so I look forward to greater news to come. But until then, I talk to everybody next week and enjoy Super Bowl weekend. As Jania stated, check us out on our Facebook. Check us out on our Twitter. We'd love to hear from you all. Give us something to talk about. Let's take it to the house. Victor got first, so it means he's going to regionals at the regionals of states. Nice. Congratulations. Nice. Smile about that, man. Don't look so serious. Yeah. Probably I mean, top. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. He graduates in three months. So all these accomplishments start making me go back in my daddy mode and thinking, dang, my boy about to leave first. And then it's COVID. Couldn't go there and watch. Couldn't see it. So did it, they stream it, it? Did they live? Did they stream nah. it? No. Nah. Really? Track gets nah. no love. No, it doesn't. it doesn't. That's crazy. You would think for a for a um for a region, they would. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, what I'm I'm interested in is all right, my bad. So that was good, sis. I wasn't prepared for that one because my burn is off Uncle Tim's. <laughs> so if you can defer to him. So my bad. Okay. Um, okay. I'm really excited about this game coming up. One, it's the final, it's a Super Bowl. You got Kansas City, and then you got Tampa Bay. So it's like the two teams, the cream has risen to the top, and they're ready. And I'm sure Tom Brady being the GOAT and Patrick Mahomes being the star that he is are got their players in, in, in play. You got Andy Reid, and then you got whatever the coach is for, for, for Tampa Bay. They're ready to go. They are ready to go. As a player, they are ready to go. But the game is about mismatches. Tampa Bay on defense doesn't have anybody to stay with Tyreek Tyree Hill. And then they don't have anybody to stay with uh, – uh, what's, what's a defensive – what's a tight end's name? Golly, I need to do this over. Golly. Why does it sound like somebody got a washing machine going on? <laughs> I thought I heard that. <laughs> I thought it was Steve over there. Me too. Me too. I thought it was Steve. 